All right, good morning, good morning. Good to see you here. The Lord bless you. It's a little warm in here, I know. I think we got the heat off. Nothing like preaching and losing weight, so. And suffer with me today. All right, bless all of you. Glad you were here. If you're watching by live stream, glad you're with us. And we'll have a good morning here with the scriptures. I believe God will speak to your heart today. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real, real high. And our ushers would put the word of God in you. And then once you get a Bible, go with me to Genesis 4. We'll go Genesis 4. And then sometime in the morning, we'll go Genesis 3. Sometime in the morning, we'll make it to 1 John 3. And sometime in the morning, we'll make it to 1 John 1. And now we'll quit right there. We'll stop right there. Um, before I get going, I love to honor people again. They're probably going to be mad at me. But yesterday, we, we just had a wonderful time here. We got to marry Daryl and Monica. He's probably not happy about it. You can raise your hands or you can stand, whatever you want to. I won't embarrass you, but they're down here today. It's just, just really, really sweet. So we're proud of both of them and bless all of you. Let me see who else I can embarrass real quick. Just kidding. All right, well, we begin here, just Genesis 4, and to set the table a little bit, I'm going to give you a word, a word called responsibility. And that word has the meaning of accountability. It means having control over. And so when we talk about responsibility, one of the, the most common ways people deal with their problems is to blame or make someone else responsible for their inadequacies or the issues of their past. And so when I begin to blame other people, I literally become paralyzed by this invisible umbilical cord that keeps feeding my todays with the junks of yesterday. So we go into the story with Adam and Eve, and you know the story, you know, Adam was busy he was busy naming the animals. Remember, God told him, you're in charge of naming all the animals. And so, man, he's naming all the animals. Everything's going great until Eve came on the scene. And it shows me there biblically that the enemy does not like biblical marriage. And the reason he doesn't like biblically, biblical marriage is he wants to mess with your family. And he wants to mess with your generational lineage. So as we go through there, remember when God dealt with Adam, that the first response Adam had was, it's that woman that you gave me. So he blames immediately the woman, then he blames God. Now you're pretty arrogant to blame God. And then when you go to the woman Eve, her first response was the devil made me do it. And so here this morning, I, I want you to see in the scriptures today, something happens that I, I've got to become responsible in my life. I can't keep yielding my future to the idol of irresponsibility. In other words, grow up. Uh-oh, faster your heart. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this time, and his brother was named as Abel. So I'm going to pause right there because what you're going to begin to see here is these two brothers, Cain and Abel, in their life, they were taught about the faithfulness of God. 
They had been instructed with the things of God and scripture will prove this out, that they had a knowing of the things of God. So we keep reading verse two. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a rancher and Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. So now we see something in the Bible that God ordained people to go to work. Just a little side note for you ladies. Don't ever, ever marry a man who doesn't go to work because you think when you marry him, it'll change his irresponsibility. It won't. Uh-oh. Pastor's on a row. Verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So right here, this shows me that Cain knew something that I am to bring an offering to the Lord. He had been taught that. Verse four, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and the fat. Now in this verse here, he gets a little more detail. And when you see the firstborn, that was his first fruit. And so God's desire is that we give him our first, our best. And when you see the word fat, that's the choicest. And so it's interesting right here that this guy named Abel, he knew God's desire was I want the first and I want your best. Keep reading, verse four. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So both of these boys knew part of their worship was to honor God with their offering. Both of them knew that. Verse five. But the Lord did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, when you read there, there's a difference between him and Abel's because when you look at Cain's, there was nothing here mentioned of quantity or quality. Uh, he, he seemed like he did what was easy or convenient. Now, what you begin to see here take place with, with Cain's heart was an improper Heart motivation. His heart wasn't in it. Do you know you can give, but your heart not be in it. And I think the heart part in it is there in the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about that God desires a cheerful giver. That's my heart. I'm cheerful. He didn't say tearful. He doesn't like a tearful giver. You know, used to when we passed the offering place, I mean, people were tearful. They'd stick their envelope in there and they'd watch it go down the aisle and they'd wave like... See your hostel is on, y'all never get you back. But we see something here. The motivation of his heart wasn't right. The difference here. So I begin to look at, at verse three. And at the last part of verse three, it said, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And so I'm looking at that little nugget right there and off of that, in one of my commentaries, I get a, a cross-reference. Go back one chapter to Genesis 3. And as you turn back to Genesis 3, where I'm going with this, this was after Adam and Eve messed up, which is called the fall of man, and it impacted every one of us. And so because of the sin of Adam and Eve, 
God pronounced judgment upon them because of sin. And so the judgment, there was a sentence that goes with it. So he goes to the devil first and he says, this is your sentence, buddy. Then he goes to Eve and he explains to Eve her sentence. And then he gets to Adam. Now, Adam's was the longest. It was the most in detail. And I believe the reason it was is because the Lord had spoke to him specifically in Genesis 2, 17. And he said, listen, pal, don't eat of that one tree. And so what you're going to get here is the sentence that was placed upon Adam or man. Now watch this in, in Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. So immediately he goes after him and he says, you listen to your wife. Now it's all wrong to listen to your wife. Actually a brilliant husband will listen to his wife. But his point in the matter right here is your number one allegiance is to God above everybody else. And God specifically tells him, I gave you a commandment and you chose not to obey it. And so because you did not obey this, watch the sentence. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Now the word cursed right here, it's, it's a sentence. It means to inflict, it means to be under, it means you're deserving, you getting what you deserved. And so he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Now off of that statement, remember what we said there in verse three with Cain, it says, and Cain brought the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So there was something that took place right here spiritually. Keep reading the curse here. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, in sorrow, in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both of thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now you gotta get this, guys. This has never been this way. Remember, it was a perfect environment until sin. So guess what happened? Adam never needed a weed eater until now. And now he's got to have a weed eater. Things are out of control because of sin. He goes on to say, verse 19, in the sweat of your face, the hard way, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken and dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So when he says this to him, he says, Adam, you're a result of the curse. So here's what I begin to see off of this. Did Cain align his life with his father's bloodline instead of the allegiance of God? Did he say, I'm, I'm going to follow the same path my dad did instead of putting my allegiance to God above that? And, and so when you, you read all this, Sin, even just a little dab, just a little dab, even small amounts is deadly and the consequences are far reaching. And so off this sentence here, I believe part of this is handed down even to Cain. 
Back to chapter 4. And we pick back up at verse 5. And it says, And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. I believe his anger was aimed at God. God didn't respect his, uh, his offering, and so he gets mad at God. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Why, why are you furious? Why are you sad? Why are you mad? Why are you despondent? Now, this is a dangerous uh, a combination, but I believe what's going on here is Cain realizes, I missed it. It's not good. Verse 7, this is a good one. The Lord said to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So God gives Cain the opportunity right here to right his wrong. A, a spiritual realignment. It's like he's telling Cain, I, I want to get you out of this funk. And notice he said, if you'll right your wrong, you'll be accepted. God's desire, he loves us, he wants to accept us. And so there's something in his life that he's got to get right because to a degree he's being stiff-armed. Because of his own choices. But God says, I want, to, I want you to be accepted. Keep reading, verse 7. If you do not do well, this is a choice. Sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you or toward you. Now I want to stop just right there. Because what, what you begin to see here. His sin is personified here almost like a wild animal that's stalking him. Sin lies at your door. And the cross-reference of that is, is 1 Peter 5a. Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil's not your friend, okay? Sin's not your friend. And look at the last of that verse, verse 7. This is incredible what he says. But you should rule over it. You should rule over sin instead of allowing sin to rule over you. So he's given us insight right here. His desire is not for us to be dominated by sin. His desire is that we rule over. That's by the goodness of God. That's by the grace of God. That when I begin to obey what God asked me to do, things begin to happen. But you know, I, even this week when I was studying, I said, Lord, I, I don't want to speak on sin. I hate speaking on sin. I was telling Eddie that after the first service. I said, man, sometimes I hate speaking on sin. But you know it's necessary? It's necessary. Because the wages of sin is death. There's consequences, okay? Verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass where they were in the field... That Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. Whoa. You know what verse 8 tells me? He didn't right his wrong. 
Did, did he just blow off sin? Did he just sweep it under the rug and act like it'll just disappear? So now we see he dishonors God with his offering. And, and so sin is like a snowball effect. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the more I sin, the harder my heart goes. And so he goes from not obeying God to killing his brother. Almost a, a, a crazy thought. And, and so when I read this here, he didn't repent, but he, he plotted revenge. This was the first murder. And so what you begin to see happening here, Adam and Eve's sin is now influencing their children. Whoa. Hold your place right there and go way, way back to the way back of the New Testament. You'll go past the Hebrews and James and the Peters, and then you'll come to 1 Peter chapter 3. I mean 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Once you get there, look, look with me in verse 8. Now I'm going to go back to Genesis here in a minute. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. I've got the nature of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that was one of the Lord Jesus' assignment when he came to earth, is to destroy the works of the devil. I believe he's still in the business of destroying the works of the devil. I believe that with all my heart. Verse 10, I'm gonna jump for time's sake. In this, the children of God now, if you're born again, you're a child of God. So this tells me immediately he's writing to church folk. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. You're going to be of one or the other. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not a God. How do I practice righteousness? Well, according to 2 Corinthians 5, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So I ask Jesus to conform me to his image. Help me to live for you. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not a God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you had heard from the very beginning. That we should love one another. Now listen. Not as Cain. So this dude that's in Genesis 4 we see now at the end of the Bible in the New Testament, not as Cain. You don't want to model what Cain did, for Cain was of the wicked one and a murderer, his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So what begins to happen with Cain is the motivation of his heart was not good. Listen to what some of these trans translations say about that. The New Living said, Cain had been doing what was evil. The message says he had a deep practice of evil. The Amplified says, don't be like Cain who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. Why did he kill him? Because his deeds, his activities, and his works were wicked and malicious. So this tells me something. There was something that got embedded in his heart. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, and the iniquities of the fathers will be passed down to the children to the third and the fourth generation. Wow. 
Go back with me to Genesis 4. Genesis chapter 4. And we pick back up here now at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Now we know God's all-knowing. God not only knew where Abel was, he knew what happened to him. So he asked Cain this question, where is your brother? And Cain says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? So why did God ask him the question? Because God asked Adam the same question when he messed up and he said, where are you at? And he said, we hid ourselves. Why did you hide yourself? Because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? And so back then, God tried to give Adam the opportunity to right his wrong. He wouldn't do it. So now we get here to his own son, and he gives him the opportunity to right his wrong. He won't do it again. He blows it off. See, it's a lack of responsibility. He won't take ownership for his own choices. Verse 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, and the blood represents life. So when he said, your, blood, your brother's blood cries out, his brother's blood cries out for justice and judgment. You want to look into that a little more? Just look at Revelations chapter 6, and you'll begin to see it. The blood of one cries out for justice and judgment. So his brother's blood is crying out. In other words, you didn't get away with it. You want to write down a good verse? Write down Numbers 32, 23. It says, your sin will find you out. Sooner or later, your sin's going to find you out. Verse 11. So now, you are cursed. You are now under a self-imposed or a self-inflicted curse. A judgment is upon you. In Deuteronomy 28, it's a pretty lengthy chapter. Verses 1 through 14 talk about the blessings. Verse 15 through 63 talk about the curse. If you want to dive into this, look at Deuteronomy 28, verses 15, for 15 through 20. It'll show you. It'll become very clear. So here's the deal with every one of us in here. You're going to live under a blessing or you're going to live under a curse. And guess who gets to decide that? How do we decide that? To walk in the blessing, I obey God and I obey his word. To operate in the curse, I disobey God and I disobey his word. You remember the prophetic word of God? It was spoken to Adam about everything he would do. But because of sin, the sin in his life overrode the prophecy. And so, I don't know, several months back, I had a young one say to me, well, this and this was prophesied to me. And I said, well, that's great. But just because it was prophesied to you doesn't mean it's gonna happen. And I said, when you get over in sin, that sin will override that prophecy. It'll sever it just like that. And I believe this is what was happening because there was stuff that was, was prophesied 
even over Cain and Adam, uh, Adam and all through the Bible. But yet, if I don't obey God's commands, think about this with King David's son Solomon. He said, Solomon, this and this and this will happen. And then David said to him, if you'll obey my commandments, if you'll obey my statutes and my decrees. And so I got to obey the word of God. Keep reading. So you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. Wow. Do you know when I read that, you know what jumped out at me? The same things that were spoken to Adam in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. You know what we just read? Like father, like son. Wow. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And when you see that, it means he lived in a state of wandering. It was like a death-like existence. He was in exile. He was viewed as a downcast, an outcast, degraded. And so we go back to this and I look and I think, why didn't he take responsibility for his choices and his actions? But sometimes I, I gotta look in the, the rear view mirror of my life and I say, why don't I take responsibility for my choices and my action? And every one of us, we've been hurt in life. And how we've been hurt, I, I, I can't deny it, I don't ignore it, I don't bury it, I don't cover it away. None of this ever goes away until I deal with it biblically. So how do we deal with it biblically? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. Go back with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And as you turn back there, sure, sure again, people have hurt you. People have disappointed you. People may have abandoned you. People may have punted on you. But I gotta stop. I gotta stop playing, blaming others even when life throws me a curveball. And in, in Proverbs 24, it says, a righteous man will fall seven times, but he gets back up. So the question's not if I fall. The question becomes, how do I respond? Do, do I get back up? Or do I want pity? Do I walk around with this victim mentality? Or do I begin to say, I'm gonna take ownership? Now, the word of God is gonna walk us through this incredibly what we do. 1 John chapter one, verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with the Lord Jesus, but yet I, I walk in darkness, I continue in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. So you can sit here day after day and be big talker Betty Crocker. You can do talky, 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 but until you put a little walkie, walkie with your talky, talk, it doesn't do any good. And so that's what he's saying. And to me, it's almost like in this passage, he's saying, take responsibility. Take responsibility. Verse seven. But... If, those are two crazy words right there, but and if. 
I usually reverse them and I say, if if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. What proverb is that, Pastor? That's 36, 32. Proverbs only go to 31, okay? <laughs> but if we walk in the light, now when it says walk in the light, this is to live accountably before God and before man. You want to walk in the light? Then live for God accountably and say, this is what's going on in my life. You need some accountability? I'll give you accountability. Just come to church. Just keep coming to church. You know, when, when I became accountable to the Lord, I, I, a lot of times this time of year I'll do a series called GPS, Giving, Praying, and Serving. Those were the greatest transformations of my life. And so when I started serving, I had to have some accountability, some responsibility. Then I realized people were waiting for me. They were, they were dependent on me. And so I knew I had to be there, not just be there, I had to be there on time. That's accountability. And I became accountable and responsible for my giving, my praying. I, I didn't depend on everybody else to pray for me. See, within the church, we have too many spiritual hitchhikers. I just want to piggyback off of you. Well, there's a season for that. But then God says, it's time. It's time for you to become responsible. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unsin. Yeah. Did, did I read that right? That the blood of Jesus, within the blood of Jesus, it has the power to cleanse me from all sin? It has the power to cleanse me from all sin. And sometimes when people read that, they're like, well, if it's cleansed me from all sin, then I'm good to go. Well, the Bible also says that God doesn't desire that any of us perish, but unless I, unless I confess Jesus out of my mouth and believe in my heart, that's the way I activate salvation. And if you want to activate the blood of Jesus, there's some things I got to do. Verse 9. If we say we have no sin, we're deceived. Now, he's writing to church folk right here. And so here is church folk. If we look at everybody and say, I don't have any sin. Well, according to the Bible, you're deceived. You're messed up. You're jacked up. Again, I got sin. I'm not proud of it. It's part of this thing called life. But he said, if you start acting like you don't have sin... And then he says, and the truth is not in us. Now, verse 9 is huge as a believer. Huge as a New Testament believer. If. You may want to circle that word if. If we confess our sins. If we confess our sins. What does confessing my sin do for me? Well, as a New Testament I'm not the priest, guys, that you come and confess to me. You confess to God. God wants you to go before him as a human being. 
And so I go before Father God very humbly and I say, Father God, I confess my sin. I don't, again, if you were here last week, we don't, we don't whitewash it. We, we don't act like it's a big deal, Father God. I come before you, I, I confess my sin. My trespasses, my iniquities. And then I encourage you, go deeper. I confess the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, the pride of life. I believe it's important that you get specific. Father God, I confess. And so what begins to happen with us is that when we sin, man, the Holy Spirit will come after you immediately in a good way. And it's like, oh no, oh no, no, oh no. How many of you have ever sinned recently? You get the oh no, oh no, oh no. I, I love the oh no. It's like, oh my gosh, I crossed the spiritual line that I shouldn't have. So it becomes a warning to me I got to repent. I got to confess. So if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. When I confess my sin, something is activated. Now I'm going to throw a little nugget in here for you, okay? We just read that if we confess our sin, God would forgive us. If God will forgive you of your sin, some of you need to forgive yourself because you've placed yourself above God. And I've heard people say, I could never forgive myself or God would never forgive me of that sin. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said if you confess your sin, he would forgive you. And so how do I know I'm forgiven? Well, how'd you know you got born again? I just received it. I'm saved by grace through faith. I believe the word of God and I say, Father God, I believe you're telling the truth. So if you said you would forgive me, then I'm forgiven. But he didn't stop there. And he said he would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Woo, the blood of Jesus. The confessing of my sin is the prerequisite to receiving the Lord's forgiveness and cleansing. And I go back to Cain. When God said, Cain, right your wrong, you know what he was telling him? Just come clean. Confess. But he didn't. And because he didn't, remember what happened? Sin started growing. Sin started growing. Sin started getting crazy. Now, I missed a huge part in the story. Huge. So huge. I got to go back because I want you to see this. Back in Genesis 4, you you don't have to go there. And the reason I want to read this is this is where we're going in the next few weeks. Genesis 4, verse 23. Then Lamech said to his wife, Who's Lamech? Lamech is the great, great grandson of Cain. So you'll hear me reference this in the next coming weeks. Exodus 20, verse 5, it says, The iniquities of the father are handed down or transported to the children to the third and the fourth generation. So it says here, and Lamech said to his wives, that's his first problem. He's got multiple wives. 
you got a problem when you got multiple wives, okay? And I'm not speaking that against the women. Maybe we better just keep reading. His wife's name were Ada and Zillah, and he said, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. So it's like this dude named Lamech's been out of work. He strolls in with his two wives, and he said, hey, let me tell you what I did today. I killed this young man because he was pestering me. He's literally bragging about killing another man. So what you begin to see here when you read this, that sin is progressing quickly, quickly. And the depravity that, that surpassed even Cain's. I mean, sin was growing. And to prove that, he says in the next verse, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech shall be avenged seventyfold times seven, seventy-seven times. See, something happens here generationally. Now, before I get on that, you got to come back the next few weeks. I'm, I'm telling you, God is going to move in you. He's going to move in your family. He's going to move in your bloodline. Your lineage is getting ready to get a Holy Spirit cleansing. But I want you to stand up today. So I, I, I stand before you guys today. I'm a man. I have weaknesses just like you have weaknesses. But I have to take responsibility for my own choices, my own actions. And I believe today the Lord wants to set some of you free. He wants to, he wants to grace you with responsibility. He wants to grace us. He wants to help you today. And so I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Father God, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for just being patient and loving with every one of us. But right now, we ask you to breathe on each one. And Father God, we open your altar up today. But Lord, you said that if we'd confess our sin, you would forgive us and cleanse us. say this again repentance is the greatest daily vitamin you can take every day what if I repent 10 times in a day it shows me your heart is tender toward God I want to live for him I want to live for you I need help Father God I need help grace me to obey you and so what we're going to do here is they begin to sing come down here right before God and say Father God I'm, I'm here to repent I'm here to confess and it will activate forgiveness in his blood it'll activate sometimes it really takes a rub of humility to say you know what 
I'm, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go to the altar today. And I'm going to make a stand. And again, you're not doing that for my sake. I got enough problems of my own, okay? But I, I welcome you today to just be transparent. And he said he'd forgive you and cleanse you. Come on, guys.